All right, everybody, welcome back to the podcast. We have a wonderful podcast for you guys today. So if you're a hunter of Utah or want to be a hunter in Utah, specifically as it relates to elk hunting, this is the podcast for you. There have been some changes lately to the elk management plan in Utah. And if you've been on the website, you've seen the article that we put up on there. It's got the details of that plan. But today I wanted to bring on Dax Mangus. He's the uh, the big game coordinator here in the state of Utah, and he was he played a big role in this this new elk management plan. And so I wanted to get him on here, talk to him a little bit about this new plan, have him kind of explain it to us, and then also ask him some questions as it relates to the plan and how it impacts us. So whether you have a lot of points or just a few points in the state of Utah for elk, this this plan impacts you. There's a lot of new opportunities, different opportunities. And so, um, if, like I said, if you've been putting in or want to put in for Utah elk, this is a podcast that you will want to listen to because this will impact you directly. So before we get going, want to shout out to, to Vortex Optics, Onyx Maps, Grim Reaper Broadheads, all the people that help support us here at eHunter. We're so grateful for them, their, uh, their partnership with us. They're great people. Check them out on their websites. If you have any questions about them, you can reach out to us, to either myself or Seth. We can usually answer most questions related to those those products, and uh, we'll be happy to answer any questions that, that you all have. So without further ado, let's get Dax on the podcast, and let's ask him some questions about Utah elk hunting. Cool. So hey, Matt, well, I appreciate you jumping on uh, with me to, to talk a little bit about this. We've had so many questions about this new management plan, and we put a we put an article up on our website about it and and people you know go to the article but then there's always more questions that come and and we quoted you on that on that article and i was like man who who better to have than dax on this podcast so i really appreciate you taking the time to to chat with me today oh you bet you bet no there's a lot of changes so and uh yeah we want folks to understand them and know what it might mean for them and be able to use that to plan Mm -hmm. plan their hunts and you know get the elk hunting experiences they want to have well, that's the thing is a lot of people are, I mean, we're coming into the, you know, the application season when everybody's going to start yep. putting their applications in. And I, I, I love the new way that Utah's doing it, by the way. But, um, you know, everybody's been asking, oh, so where should I put in for? Or what, what hunt should I put in for? There's all these different hunts now. What, sh- what should I do? And, you know, we, we try to help them the best we can. But like you said, it's so new and it's so different that, uh, you know, we're just like, man, we don't really don't know what to, to tell people <laughs> to do. And I don't know what to do myself. Uh, just so you're aware, I've got gosh 21 or 22 elk points here in utah oh, wow. and yeah trying to decide what to do so I, i'm just that's really all i wanted to talk to you about today is me and just, just you just tell me what to do no i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> uh, but just trying to help people out and, and yeah exactly know what to do know what to plan and so um if you wouldn't mind the kind of what i love to do so we, like i said we have an article up on our website if people want the the nitty-gritty details they can go to that but would you mind just really quickly kind of talking about some of the the bigger changes that have happened and and what those are so people kind of have an idea of what we're talking about yeah yeah are you more interested in do you feel like your audience is more interested in like the limited entry stuff because we made some big changes in general season and some big changes in limited entry or maybe we can talk about both but if you have time i'd love to talk about both because we've actually had questions on both of those okay yeah, so we can talk like the big change with the general season is the stuff we did with any bull, splitting that rifle season for any bull into two seasons, and and uh, and then the board got rid of the multi-season permit for any bull, which is you know could be a big change and affect affect a bunch of people. And then in the in the limited entry world, I think the biggest change, the one that I think 
it's going to affect people the most is probably the change in the allocation for like the weapon splits. Mm-hmm. And uh, by putting way more of the tags in the mid-season hunt, adding the mid-season uh, rifle hunt on a bunch of units, and putting more of the tags there, and that's going to be, I think that's the one that's going to make everything a little bit of a wild card for the next year or two for draw odds and trying to predict what you can get, you know, what you can draw with your points and stuff. It's going to be, it's going to be kind of anybody's guess for the next couple of years. And then I think it'll settle out and, and we'll, and we'll get it figured out. But yeah, so yeah, that for sure we can do, we can do that. So with that mid season hunt and that's, I'm glad that you brought that up because I think that's the one that I've had the most questions on because you know, historically, you've had the early rifle, well, you had archery, early rifle, muzzleloader, and, and late rifle, and and now there's this this mid-season rifle hunt introduced where it's, you know, you might be, you're just slightly after the rut, it kind of seems like, um, and, and then by shortening the, the early rifle, it's five days, right? The early rifle will now be yep. five days? Yep. So by shortening that, I think, I feel like, and what I've kind of been asked about and been telling people is i feel like a lot of people will probably jump from that early rifle to the mid-season rifle do you you feel like that's kind of what's going to happen you know i think i think the guys who are paying attention will um but i know folks that are maybe in your in your ballpark that have 20 plus points Mm -hmm. you know might be like well i think i can still draw that early rifle tag for a lot of folks kind of you know a september rifle hunt is kind of like the holy grail of right right so so for some but but it is going to get a lot harder to draw with us only allocating you know ten percent of the overall permits to that five day rifle hunt in September. That that's a pretty big reduction from what it from what it has been. So what's that? What's the number of tags that will go to that early rifle? That five day early rifle tag this year. So so the way the way we do it, and, and this, it's kind of confusing to wrap your head around it with math. So twenty five percent of the limited entry elk tags go to archery. 15% go to the muzzleloader hunt. And then that remaining 60% go to the any legal weapon seasons. 3% of those are multi-season. So, but we count that as a rifle hunt because they can hunt, you know, all the seasons, including the rifle hunts. Uh-huh. So then you've got that other 57% in there. And uh, in the new elk plan, we, we looked at it as like overall percentages and, uh, and it, like 10% to the early rifle, 30% to the mid rifle and 17% to the late rifle. Uh-huh. And if you compare that to how we used to do it, it it's, it's less than half as many permits in the early rifle season as we used to have. So wow. it, it's like, it's going to be pretty much cutting permits in half on the early rifle seasons. And, uh, and it, it'll be, and it'll be, you know, so 30% of your overall permits will be in that mid rifle season. And every unit is different, right? The the biologists recommend the the number of uh, permits, and then you do the percentages off of that recommendation. Is that right? Yep, yep. So the biologists look at the age in our limited entry elk units. We manage them based on average age of harvested bulls, and uh, and so you know if we're if we're exceeding the age objective, you know they'll increase permits. If we're below it, we'll we'll cut permits. And then after they recommend like overall numbers of permits, then you know then we break them out as to how many are going to go into which hunt. Um, we, we did adjust the age objectives on some of the, our top age objectives as well, which will also, you know, so it will be more overall permits, but then, um, a higher percentage of those will be allocated to that mid season. The, the idea behind that is you can give, you can give a lot more permits and folks will still harvest great bulls. Mm-hmm. Um, 
if we manage, instead of managing for seven and a half to eight year old bulls, we're going to manage for six and a half to seven year old bulls. And that's the average harvested age. So it means, you know, half the bulls harvested are probably older than that. And, and some are a little younger than that. But, uh, by, by changing that, we'll still have great bulls available in the harvest, but hunters maybe won't be able to be quite as selective if they really want to hold out for, you know, a bull that, that beats the odds and has, you know, has won the genetic lottery and, and you know, and has, has, a, you know, a lot, a lot of bone on his head. Yeah. Yeah. 400 inch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, if 400 bull is like a, a human oh. that's seven two or something. Exactly. You know, it's, it's a genetic <laughs> anomaly. And it doesn't matter how old you let elk get. There's only so many of them that have that potential. And that, that was one of the things that guided the decision to adjust the age objectives was we looked at a, a really cool data set, you know, over 5,000 elk over like a 20 year period from, you know, the Canadian border to the Mexican border across multiple states, bulls that were harvested by, you know, on private ranches, Indian reservations, CWMUs, you know, so they were guided, guided hunters that harvested mature bulls and they pulled a tooth and had it aged professionally in a lab and then took a Boone and Crockett score. And the average bull, it, you know, like the average human is 510, the average bull elk is right about 320. And it, wow. you know, a lot of bulls, so that's average. So a lot of bulls are smaller than that, you know, and some bulls are bigger than that, but a lot of bulls, you know, average score 320, it doesn't matter how old they get, they're never going to score more than 320. There's exceptions, you know, right. and, and that's what often hunters are looking for. They're looking for those exceptions, those extreme bulls, you know, on that top end. But there's a lot of guys out there that kill 300 bulls that are 10, 10 years old, 11 years old. And that's just all they ever were and all they're ever going to be. And so, you know, looking at that data and realizing that in order to manage for these really, really big bulls that everybody wants, you leave so many bulls on the landscape. We have to carry a really high number of bulls and you have all these bulls on the landscape that a lot of hunters are, are happy with that. There's a lot of yeah. guys that draw and they shoot a six by six mm-hmm. and they're pumped and they don't care if it scores 290 or if it scores, you know, 360, they're just pumped. They shot a six by six. So making these changes will make it to where there's still good bulls out there. You might have to work a little bit harder to find them. But there's, there will still be good bulls, but folks will be, will be able to hunt a little more often and, and maybe you won't have to wait, you know, three decades to draw tag. Well, that's that's it right there. You just, man, you just ended that with a an exclamation point for me. Is is you know I'm like I said I I guess I'm two decades into it, over two decades into to putting into this, you know, and and felt like every year for the last decade that I was going to draw, and so you know I, I think that there has needed to be a change. Um, you know, I, I was so interested to to see this change, and the same thing went through my mind as I'm sure went through your mind as as most hunters and conservationists do. You know. What is this going to do to the elk population? Is this going to improve age class? Is it going to improve, uh, you know, opportunity? Can you do both at the same time? You know, and I know you guys have a hard job, and I appreciate what you guys do. I hope you know that. I know it's it's tough to to straddle that that line of, yeah, we want to make the hunters happy, and so they're shooting big bulls every year. That's impossible to do, but that's what hunters want. Uh, you know, and, and being able to manage the herd, uh, the herds in the in the units, and so. I know it's hard to do that. I'm really amazed that the average bull is 320. When you started talking about that, I, I was starting to run numbers through my head as as you were kind of building up to that, and I would have thought it would be like 340-ish. So um, very interesting to to hear that it's around that 320. But I, I think that a lot of hunters are getting, you know, 
I, I don't want to talk bad about hunters, but some hunters really have a hard time scoring animals. You know, they, I feel like hunters yep. overscore animals a lot. And, and so, you know, like I, I remember, and I'm, I'm guilty of this. I used to look at a 340 bull and, and I would have thought it was a 360, 370 bull. I mean, that's a big bull. And now I, I feel like I know more what I'm looking at. And, and a 340 bull is a really good bull. I mean, like, well, according to the, the statistics that you just gave us, it's a bigger, bigger than average bull that's yeah. on the landscape. So um, I wanted to ask you a little bit. So going back to the percentages, so there's, there's also a new archery hunt, correct? Yeah, we have a late archery hunt, a December archery hunt. So how does the percentages, you talk about the percentages that go to the archery hunts, how are they split between those two uh, hunts? So that late archery hunt is kind of an experimental hunt. It's one that we're just kind of dipping our toe in the water. And we, in, in the statewide elk plan, our, our commitment to start on that was to start with a really small number of permits to kind of just see how it went. There's some of those like late archery hunts in some other surrounding states and we kind of wanted to try it. It's, it's looking for a way to, to, you know, present a really challenging opportunity for mm-hmm. some folks that want to give it a shot. Probably be pretty hard to, to kill a bull with a bow in December. Yeah. But we're going to start, I think, uh, the, what we put in the plan was like five permits on most units. Okay. So we're going to start really low and see how it goes. And then, you know, there's potential to increase there. But that is going to be a pretty small number of permits. So there'll be four resident permits and one non-resident permit for those late archery hunts on every unit, except I think the Manti and Wasatch will, will probably recommend a little bit higher number than that. And we haven't recommended permit numbers yet. That'll that's coming this spring, like in April. Okay. But, um, so, so that hunt is not going to be, there's not going to be a lot of tags that, that 25% of the permits that we allocate to archery, those will all be in the early archery season. Oh, you know, that typical August into September archery season which is going to be a little bit longer. So yes. the, the, the four days that came out of the September rifle season were given to the September, you know, to the end of the archery season. So, so that, uh, the archery hunt gets a little bit better, a little bit better rut dates. And these late archery tags are going to be in addition to what the other weapon splits. They're kind of just extra tags. It's a little bit experimental. Like I said, kind of just testing the waters to see, see how it goes, how it works and how, how it's received. I'm so excited to see the harvest numbers on that late one because I thought the same thing. I feel like it's going to be a very hard hunt, hunting a, yeah. a bull elk in in December. Um, yeah, it should be. But I think there's a lot of guys that you know, maybe lower point guys that are thinking, hey, you know, I, you know, the odds are probably going to be better at drawing that tag because you know, not as many people. It's not going to be as coveted, so I might be able to have that tag in my pocket in December to be chasing elk in Utah. I mean cool opportunity that, that you guys put out there and i also love that you guys added those dates onto the archery season uh, from a personal standpoint i wish it was still on the early rifle just that's but that's personal bias there but yeah. uh but for every other hunter out there in the world i think it's it's a fantastic idea to add that to the the archery hunt because yeah it gets you a little bit more into that rut and and i'll be honest it's actually kind of pushing me towards thinking about doing you know using my points for an archery tag just because, yeah, I would be, I'd have long, a longer hunt, plus I'd be more into the rut, which definitely gives you more of an opportunity with a bow. So, very uh, cool. It, it's interesting. We we wrestled with that one. That was an issue. You know, we put together this big committee of folks to, to revise this plan and, and make, you know, c- come up with these recommendations and make, make these decisions. 
And uh, in Utah, we do more rifle rut hunting of elk than any other state. You know, in, in most surrounding states, you know, maybe in like some real remote wilderness in central Idaho or maybe like in the Jarbridge in Nevada, or there's a handful of rifle hunts in a few areas in September in some of our neighboring states. But we do more rifle rut hunting for bulls in September in Utah than any other state by far. And, and it's like I said, for a lot of folks, that's kind of the holy grail hunt. It's like, man, it doesn't get any better than this. And, uh, and, and folks, especially folks with a lot of points, don't often don't want that to change. And, but then there's a lot of people who say, you know, this is crazy. You know, every other state does the majority of their rut hunting with a bow and Utah, you know, Utah limited entry elk archery hunters, kind of get kind of get hosed on this and they don't have very good dates as soon as it starts to get good we shut their hunt down and, and switch to a rifle hunt and so and it's just i don't know that there's necessarily a right way and a wrong way it's personal preference how many points you have maybe yeah. affects how you feel about it but we we went back and forth on that from you know options from leave it alone to let's get rid of the early rifle hunt completely and what we came out with and what, what we did was kind of a compromise we looked at the data and, uh, you know, three quarters of the hunters are killing their bulls within five days, five mm -hmm. days of hunting on mm -hmm. that early rifle hunt. And uh, and so we're like, OK, well, let's shorten that hunt five days. It's pretty short, but most of the hunters are, are getting it done in that time frame. And so we gave a few more you know, of those kind of coveted September rut dates to the archery hunters. We didn't completely do away with that rifle rut hunt, but we did we did shorten it up. So it's kind of a compromise. And there was you know, real strong opinions on, on both sides of it. And, you know, ho hopefully the compromise will still work for folks, but uh, it, it, it was one that there was a lot of discussion and, and a lot of, you know, passionate, strong feelings about it. Well, like I said, I've kind of got that bias in there just because of the point number that I have, but honestly, like you were saying, three quarters of the guys kill their elk within, within that time frame, anyways. And the ones that probably went further, probably had opportunities on bulls within that yeah. those first three to five days they were just holding out for something a little bit bigger and better but still could have shot a nice bull within in that time frame so i'll be honest when i heard it uh, look and i'd heard rumors that there was a possibility of it going away completely and i i sat on the floor and folded my arms and cried like a, a little baby for a little <laughs> bit but <laughs> but uh i was glad to see that it didn't go away completely uh, honestly i Again, I have my own bias, but I feel like you guys you guys hit it right on the head with what you did. And, and I know there's going to be those passionate hunters out there that are listening to my podcast right now that are going to be screaming at me, thinking that it, it, it's crazy. But I, I, like you said, it, it ha there has to be a compromise there somewhere. You got to do what's best for the herd and, and best for the the whole everybody as a whole. Um, so there's got to be a little bit of give and take, and I feel like you guys you guys hit it right on the head with that that early rifle, and, and then adding it to the archery. Like I said, I mean. I hope that I'm able to draw my my tag soon. I, whether I do archery, switch to archery, and go for a really coveted, you know, archery tag in Utah, beaver or something like that, or whether I do rifle and hopefully draw that tag. But I hope at some point in my life I get another chance at a, a Utah elk, and and yeah. I would love to be able to hunt it archery and, and do it during the rut. I think that's awesome. So the majority of the guys that are in that lower point range, uh, you know, 15 or lower. You know that changing that archery hunt, I think, is a, a huge win for them. If well, I guess I should say, if they're bow hunters, um, it's a it's a huge win. As far as the muzzleloader goes, uh, not really a lot of changes there, right? No, pretty much left the muzzleloader hunt alone. Um, 
you know, that might be an option if you really want a good rut hunt. I, I think a lot of years there's still really good rut activity during that muzzleloader hunt. Yeah. So that, you know, that's one some guys may look at switching out of the early rifle into the muzzleloader. And uh, so, you know, but yeah, not, not really much change to the limited entry muzzleloader hunt. That's what I did when I was a resident of Colorado is I, cause I still had, you know, high teens points when, when I was out there and um, I switched to, to muzzleloader just trying to improve my odds a little bit as a non-resident. Cause you're right. I think that, you know, if you look at the dates of that, in fact, some years, I think it's yeah. the best dates of any of the hunts. I think it's even better than the early rifle on some years. Yeah. Yeah, some some years that rut seems to come, you know, it's hot and dry or something. That rut doesn't seem to really kick into that muzzleloader hunt. I've been out a few times during the muzzleloader deer hunt, you know, that overlaps those dates, and been like, holy smokes, I wish I had a muzzleloader elk tag right now. You know, I got, <laughs> yeah. I forget about the deer. I got bulls bugling all over the place. It's fun <laughs> to watch these bulls. I'll I'll, I'll deer hunt later. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> You sound like you're kind of like me. If if bulls are rutting and bugling, uh, everything else kind of takes the back seat to that. <laughs> yeah, I, I went down and hunted a general season muzzleloader deer hunt on the San Juan one year on the Bajos. And, oh. and uh, I, I pretty much wasted that deer tag because the bulls were going crazy. <laughs> and I spent the whole time, just, the whole hunt just like sneaking around and trying to sneak in on bulls and watch bulls and stuff. And I, yeah, I never, I never even filled the deer tag and I, I just got so distracted with the rut that it was a, it was a blast, but I didn't take the deer hunting very serious. It was just more fun to watch watch all the bulls. Hey, sometimes hunting's not all about you know the killing. I, sometimes it's just yeah. all about the experience. And I've I've been the same way. I've been deer hunting and yeah, elk are bugling like crazy. And yeah, I waste days at a time, hunts at a time, just chasing, watching bugling with elk because it's, it's just so much fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's it's hard to beat, you know, there's a reason everybody wants like those coveted days in September. Yeah. There's a reason, you know, the archery guys want it. The rifle guys want it. The muzzleloader guys want it. Everybody wants it. Cause it's, it, it's hard to beat that time of year it, out, out in the, out in the mountains, man. It's hard to beat. It is. And it's so unique in Utah. Like you were saying that it's really the only state barring a few little one-off situations, but it's really the only state that you can hunt uh, bull elk during the rut with a rifle. I mean, it, and it's, yeah. that is so unique and so fun. I've been part of it with, a lot of my family, uh, my brother-in-law drew uh, a tag last year, and um, it was just a blast to be able to, he had a rifle in his hands, we could call elk, we could be a little bit more picky, you know, I mean, we, we passed on a lot of really good bulls, um, he ended up shooting a nice 360 bull, and, uh, you know, I think, gosh, second day, so that goes to your point about the the day, you know, the three, the five-day hunt, I mean, second day, he knocked down a, a beautiful, obviously, a well above average bull elk, Um it's just a, it, yeah, like you said, it's just a lot of fun. It's very coveted. It, it, with all the, you know, all these changes are out there now, everybody's seeing it. I'm sure you guys get a lot of uh, feedback, <laughs> positive and negative, from the new changes. What what kind of feedback have you guys been getting? Has it been, for the most part, positive or most part negative or split 50-50? What, what have you guys seen? You, you know, I would say most of the feedback has been positive. There's a, there's a few guys that don't like the changes. But I would say the majority, you know, the vast majority of the feedback has been like, okay, you know, we get it. And that was kind of the, the thing that changed a lot of folks' minds, even folks with a lot of points. They realized it might affect them negatively a little bit. But then when they got thinking, well, I want my kids or my grandkids to be able to hunt elk someday. They, a lot, for a lot of folks, that was kind of what changed their mind and made them realize, you know what? 
I'm willing to go maybe under, you know, not the most ideal dates, but if I, if I hunt hard, I still got a great chance to get a good bull. And, and if this means that my kids and my grandkids are going to be able to hunt elk someday, I'm willing to do it. I, and I think that was what, you know, and I think a lot of people have caught on to that. We've had good feedback so far and we'll see when the draw results come out that maybe everyone who thought they were going to draw and doesn't on an early rifle hunt, you know, we'll, we'll probably hear it then. I think it will catch some folks off guard. Yeah. But uh, generally, feedback's been pretty positive. It, it's been pretty good. Oh, that makes me happy. And I've talked to a few guys, you know, kind of like we were talking about at the beginning of the show, a few, a few of these guys that I know that, that's with the department. And, you know, it seems like they've kind of heard the same thing. Everybody kind of gets it. I mean, it, it's hard to make everybody happy. You guys have the hardest job in the world. I don't know how you do it. And I, I know it's it, it can be hard, and I'm sure you guys get a lot of feedback, and, and a lot of that can be negative. But I think... Like I said from the beginning, I feel like you guys did the best you could with with what you were working with. I am really excited to see how the chips fall with the, yeah. this whole thing when the draw results come out. Um, if I don't draw a tag, I'm very used to disappointment with uh, Utah draws, so <laughs> it'll be what it is. <laughs> but hopefully, hopefully, this is the year for me, and and I can get my tag again. That's very selfish and biased on my part. I do have a few more questions. So we reached out to our our listeners and and said you know i said hey i'm doing this podcast with dags what kind of questions would you guys want to ask him if, if you were talking to him and, and so if you don't mind i'd love to ask you a few of these these questions you bet yeah so it. so the biggest question i got um because a lot of our listeners don't live in utah um utah is a, a state that they always wanted to hunt you know and, and there's opportunities in colorado and in a few of these other places where i shouldn't say there's not opportunities here but there are opportunities here in utah but there may be other opportunities other places and, and so they wanted to know, like, how does this really impact non-residents, both both for the general elk hunts and, and the limited entry elk hunts? Like, is it going to be any different for them? Is it going to make it easier for them to get a tag? Is it going to make it harder for them to get a tag? I mean, what does that look like for them as non-residents? So a lot of what we did was to find ways where we could give more, more elk permits, you know, more opportunities to go hunt limited entry elk. So in the limited entry realm, you know, a, a rising tide lifts all boats. You know, we limit non-residents to 10% of the tags, but that means, you know, if, if when all is said and done and all the different strategies in this plan are implemented, if we're given, you know, a thousand more limited elk, entry elk tags than we used to give, you know, that's a hundred more tags going to non-residents. So, you know, it, it will, on some hunts that had small numbers of permits, if it was a really small number of permits on a, on an early rifle hunt, that might affect them negatively, but overall, there'll be, you know, if we have more permits, there'll be more non-resident opportunities um, for, so, so in, in the limited entry world. Mm -hmm. um, one of the nice things with the changing of our timeline for uh, applications this year, you know, hunters, they won't know the final numbers yet. The wildlife board sets the final numbers and, and they can change, but they'll be able to see a draft version, you know, what we're proposing for permit, for permit numbers. And we'll even have, you know, the first few rack meetings under our belt before the application period closes. And so I would encourage folks, you know, hold off, wait and uh, get on there and look at, at least at the proposed permit numbers and know the wildlife board might tweak a permit number here or there. But generally, um, you know, it, it ends up being pretty close to what we propose most of the time. Not always can't guarantee, but. It, it, especially this year, it will be it will be a really good idea to look at the proposed permit numbers before you you know lock in your choices in your application, and uh, and I think that'll help 
people to realize where the permits are going to be. And some non-residents might want to jump to the mid-season hunt if they see that there's going to be, you know, three or four non-resident permits in a mid-season hunt and only one in an early season hunt or something like that. You know, that that could be maybe it's time to to give it a shot and try to hunt bulls, you know, post rut a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, so in the in the general season realm, um, the 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 big changes for non-residents and residents both is just going to be what we did with the any bull hunts. Um, the spike hunts are staying pr- pretty much the same as what we've had in the had in the past. There's a quota of fifteen thousand spike tags, um, and those when those go on sale, there isn't a cap associated with those. So just whoever buys them gets them, whether it's non-residents or residents. And on any bull, instead of one 13-day rifle season, there'll be two seven-day rifle seasons. And that first rifle season is pretty much within that exact same date window there, like after the muzzleloader hunt and before the rifle deer hunt starts. Um, And uh, that first hunt, there's only going to be 15,000 tags available. And so I would guess that those will sell out super quick. Mm -hmm. And then during that second hunt, it's unlimited. But it'll be tougher because those bulls will have had a, a week of pretty intense rifle pressure on them. And usually our GPS caller data shows this. Usually after just even the first few days of that any bull rifle hunt, a lot of those elk have moved to places where, you know, they're up in a wilderness. They're down in some nasty, dark timber canyon where they move on to private land or tribal grounds. And so that second rifle elk hunt is really just focused on opportunity for folks that want to be out with the tag in their pocket, but just go into it, you know, with your eyes wide open, knowing that it'll probably be a pretty difficult hunt. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, you're, you're right. It feels like, like after that first couple of days, they, they move out of there for the area that I hunt, they always go to a limited, they move from the general area to a limited entry area yep. and you can't do much about it <laughs> at that point. But I, yeah. you know, I think that's great because when people think of opportunity, a lot of people will think of Colorado and the opportunity, but a lot of people don't understand there is still a lot of opportunity within Utah, like you said, with spike elk hunts, with general hunts, because that's open to anybody and everybody and kind of first come, first serve. And now that you say that, I'm going to have to, if I don't draw my elk tag, I'm going to have to be right on that so I can get me one of those. But um, but at least it gives people the opportunity. And going back to your limited entry uh, with with non-residents, I've kind of been doing that same thing and talking as I've talked to other people. You know, a lot of people really get set on that that coveted, you know, best hunt ever, that, that rifle hunt during the rut. But for most everybody else, I've been trying to say, hey, you know, that now there's just more opportunity and you're not too far from what that coveted hunt was. I, I try to tell people, you know, if you are, you know, if you do have archery equipment and are an archery hunter, that really might be the best way to go for most people because you get a hunt right there in the rut. And then also having that mid-season hunt, you're just after the rut, but you still get a hunt with a rifle. You know, your, your success rate is probably going to be pretty close to the same as, as what it would have been in the, uh, in the early rifles. So I, I, I love hearing that. I love to hear that there's that opportunity. Like I said, that's been probably my, my biggest question that I've received from everybody because when it first came out, a lot of the non-residents that reached out to me said, so they're pretty much just shutting it down for us as non-residents. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Hold on a second. There, there, there's really not a huge significant change for, for you all. And that, that's kind of what I picked up from what you were saying as well is it's not, you know, the, the allocation is still going to be there for non-residents. They're still going to have those tags. If tag numbers go up, there's more opportunity. If tag numbers go down, there's less opportunity. But that's that was last year as it is this year. You know, that, that hasn't changed. So, yep. Okay. Um, in your, in the announcement 
uh, it, it talked about there there might, may possibly be more uh, like limited weapon hunts that are on the way. Uh, can you talk about what you know what may be coming? Uh, like as far as limited hunts, like are, are there going to be like uh, limited rifle hunts, like open sights or, or straight wall cartridge hunts, or have you guys talked about that? And is is that on the horizon? Yeah, so there, you know, there's there's a committee that's still meeting and talking about that, and uh, you know, we took some stuff around this last this last rack cycle last November, and I don't think we I think we rushed it. We weren't quite ready to to come out with it, but the idea is to try to have some hunts with like restricted weapon technology. You know, more we're not using the word primitive necessarily, but more restricted. And uh, we're, that's still in the works. That's still ongoing. I was actually at a meeting with that committee last night, and I think we will see something soon. You know, some type of a of a recommendation. And it's kind of one of those you know government and regulation type things where we have to create some legal definitions first, and then after we create the legal definitions, it it, it opens the door for us to you know perhaps recommend some hunts. Um, but we're we're working on creating some legal definitions for some restricted weapon types that would be, you know, some of the examples, this isn't finalized yet, but some of the examples that have been thrown around have been, you know, like a traditional archery equipment, you know, like long bows, recurve bows, um, you know, a more traditional type muzzle loader with, you know, maybe no uh, pelletized powder or no, you know, 209 shotgun primer ignition, um, you know, and with the rifle, we were talking about it last night. You know, a, a, a centerfire rifle definition that would be like straight walled cartridges. You know, that's something that's that's uh, increasing in popularity, in some, especially in like some white tail states. And yeah. so there's definitely talk about creating these. And we're working right now, currently working on creating some restricted weapons definitions. And then once those definitions, you know, we come up with, with something that's going to go through the public process. If it gets approved by the wildlife board, you know, then there's the possibility to, to do that in, in our elk plan, we have a few of the hams hunts. Yeah. The hams is an acronym for handgun, archery, muzzleloader, or shotgun. And uh, the, the language in our, in our elk plan allows for us to potentially substitute out those hams hunts for a restricted weapons type hunt, or also allows us to, per, you know, potentially recommend some uh, restricted weapons type hunts, something, you know, like in the idea of like that December archery hunt that we're going to have, where, you know, potentially on some unit, maybe we recommend a, a restricted muzzleloader hunt in, in September, maybe on an any bull unit. One of the ones we talked about was maybe the high uintas and maybe having a really limited number of uh, restricted muzzleloader limited entry permits on, on that unit. That type of thing to kind of capture some unique opportunities and create some, you know, kind of some little one-off hunts that might let, uh, you know, let some folks go out and, uh, and, and do something kind of cool, kind of unique. So that, that's the idea. I think something like that is coming, but it's still down the road a little bit. Do you have a timeline Do you, or a guess on timeline for that, that we, you may get some more information on it? So I think, um, prop the, the, the rule definitions for like the restricted weapons that will probably come through this year either this, this spring or this fall. And then, um, and then, uh, then we would probably see recommendations for some of those types of hunts. It might be 2025 before we have those. Cause we did just set all of our season dates for both 2023 and 2024. So it might be, you know, two years down the road before, before we see those types of hunts, but I, I could be wrong. It might come sooner than that. There's still, 
kind of a lot of stuff up in the air that we're trying to figure out. And the, the timeline is one I get a lot of folks that get frustrated with us with the, with the timeline for stuff. And uh, but when you sit down and look at it, we've got to have stuff done in the rule. It's got to go through during the appropriate cycle of public meetings. And then there's, you know, like a waiting period for for regulations to get challenged. And then another waiting period before it goes into effect legally. It, all this stuff has to do with uh, language and state code yep. and these uh, state, you know, state of Utah administrative rules and. Sometimes folks get frustrated that we can't just do stuff immediately, but uh, it's it's a uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of red tape and, and a lot of process and procedure that we've got to work through sometimes. And I know our sportsmen get frustrated sometimes, but it takes a minute to to figure some of this stuff out and work through the process. Oh, that's uh, that's bureaucracy right there. I mean, if, if yep. yeah, that's I, I work in the healthcare business, and you know, when we try to make a change in our company. I'd love to be able to make a change right now, but yep, you got to make sure that it meets regulations. You've got to pilot it. You got to, you know, you got to do all these things. It, it takes time. Actually, two years is, is sooner than I thought you were going to say. So I was actually happy to hear you say that it could be within that amount of time. I, I thought that we would be looking at, you know, five to 10 years down the road. But yeah, if you guys could, you know, get that done in two years, that that's pretty impressive. So <laughs> for those people that are struggling with the, they want those decisions made uh, quickly. I think they need to get more involved in, in some of these committees and, and racks and stuff like that. And you can, you can see why the, the reason behind it taking so long. And I think it's good for it to take a little bit of time. Cause I mean, these are big decisions. These aren't just little things that you're just kind of off the cuff. These are, these are really big decisions that can, make a huge impact on, on herds and, and hunters and, and everything. And so they, they really got to, you, you really got to cross every T dot, every I poke every hole that you can in it to make sure that it's going to be a good plan before you put it out there. Otherwise you're going to run into some, some, some troubles. So, um, my next question for you is, is probably my, my second highest question that I got when we were talking about this. Um, and that is, and we've kind of touched on it here. I leave, well, actually, I shouldn't say we've touched on it, but, I think if you've listened to this podcast that we, you and I've been talking, people will probably know the answer to this already. But as far as point creep goes, do you see an overall uh, improvement with point creep, or do you feel like uh, it's going to stay the same and it just this will keep it from getting worse and worse? I mean, what what's your uh, overall thoughts and, and feelings on that? You know, the point creep is one that kind of keeps me up at night sometimes, and and that was something we we were trying to tackle with this. But the reality is you, you look at projections for growth in the state of Utah and all across the West. You look at our track record of our, you know, our applications for big game, uh, big game hunts goes up almost every year, pretty regularly in that like 7% range. And at some point we just, we can't increase opportunity by 7% every single year. You know, some years we have to cut tags. If, you know, if that's the right thing to do, if that's what the data is telling us, then we have to cut tags. And so, Unfortunately, I think um, point creep is probably here to stay. I don't know that it's going to go away. I'm hoping that some of the things we're implementing can slow it down. And I'm hoping that folks that are willing to accept more challenge, maybe hunt with a, a more difficult weapon type or hunt during a less than ideal time of year can get around that point creep. For folks who you know have their heart set on an early rifle limited entry elk hunt, the point creep might actually get worse based on what we're doing in this so in this plan so 
it's a mixed bag. I don't think we'll ever completely get rid of point creep as long as we have, you know, this same kind of population growth and the same interest in, in hunting. Um, but I think there's, there's things we're doing that'll make it better, especially for hunters that are willing to adapt and challenge themselves a little bit. And that's also a huge part of why we wanted to have, you know, an over the counter rifle, any bull hunt, even though we know it will be really hard. You know, if I don't get any, tags anywhere else you know i know i can at least get you know in utah an over-the-counter archery elk tag or now an over-the-counter elk tag and that was something that we wanted to have for for families for people who even if the success rate is really low hunting um you know it, it, you're telling me there's a chance you know the success rate might be single digits but that's better than if i'm sitting home on the couch and don't have any tags at all yeah. and so you know, we're, we're trying to cover our bases and have something there for everyone. And the reality is there's just not enough of the resource to go around to completely get rid of point creep. Yeah. You pulled out a dumb and dumber quote there. That, that was pretty yep. impressive, dude. <laughs> you recognized it. Okay. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> so you're telling me there's a chance. No, I, yeah, you know, that's, that's, I think you're right though. Cause you know, as hunters, you know, sometimes just having that tag in our pocket, that that's almost, in fact, I was listening, oh, who was I listening to the other day? They were talking about the kill, and uh, they said the kill isn't actually killing the animal. The kill is actually getting the tag in your pocket. You know, that's when you, you're you're successful. So, uh, yeah, I think that's a, a big a big part of it is just making sure that, you know, we, we can go hunting. And that's that's what's fantastic is that, that opportunity is out there. So. Yeah, I've had people tell me, like, oh, well, just go on a hike if you want. But it's not the same. No. If you have a tag, if you have a tag in your pocket, even if it's a super difficult hunt, there's just something kind of magical about that, you know, just every time you crest a ridge thinking like what if there what if there's something over here? It just isn't the same if you're out hiking. Even if it's a super difficult low success hunt, having a tag in your pocket makes a difference. It just adds kind of that just extra spark to that that makes it something cool. And so we want to have that and uh I I talked about i think i made the analogy a couple times on the rack tour that that this elk plan is kind of like the menu at the cheesecake factory oh yeah. there's yeah. it's it's there's a ton of different ways to hunt elk in utah you know you can do over the counter you know archery spike hunts to you know put in for a couple decades or get super lucky and hunt you know big bulls with a rifle in september on the boulder the san juan and there's kind of everything in between and we want it to be that way. And not every hunt is for every person. There's going to be some hunts out there that if you look at it, you might say like, no way, this hunt sounds horrible to me. I'd never want to do it. And that's okay. You know, the, the idea is to have, not everything is for everyone, but there is something for everyone. No, oh, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. It just presents opportunity for everybody. Everybody can, you know, whatever, whatever your love is, you know, cause I'm not a, I'm not a traditional archery guy. So if that ever comes into play. I mean, it's awesome. I think it's so cool that, that you know, that's even like talked about right now, but there's some guys out there that would love that. You know, they would live to be able to go out there with their recurve and, and go hunt elk with it. I think that would be cool for them. Not my, my, you know, bag, but Hey, you know, it, it, we all have our own loves. We all, all have our own wants. And, and that's what I think this, this elk plan does is it creates some variety or it creates more variety and, and more opportunity for, for everyone. Dax, before I let you go, I, I did want to ask one more question. This has nothing to do with really the elk plan, um, but maybe since I since I have you and you're the big game coordinator, 
Uh, I wanted to ask you just a, a quick question about uh, some other changes in Utah that have been kind of rumored out there, which is, you know, scopes on muzzleloaders, turrets on turret scopes on rifles, uh, rangefinders on bows, stuff like that. Is there any updates to any of those things that you've heard lately? Yeah, I, you know, I was at a meeting last night of that Emerging Technology Committee. There, we're still in the process of, you know, formulating a recommendation that'll go out. And, and those are all items that are, you know, in the discussion, in the mix. Um, but there's nothing, there's nothing concrete yet, you know, and, and when it does, when something does come out, you know, if it's going to be uh, restricting a weapon, you know, that information would be out there and that would be done before, you know, before folks put in for hunts. So that's, so it's not like if someone puts in this year and then some, something changes it's not like you know you put in for a muzzleloader hunt expecting to be able to use a magnifying scope and then it changed and we change it halfway through you know after you've already applied like that that won't happen um so if any of those changes do go do go through it wouldn't affect the you know the 2023 um hunting season um but those things are being discussed if folks are passionate about that or or have strong opinions about that reach out to your you know call your local DWR office, talk to the wildlife manager or talk to your, uh, you know, the members of the wildlife board or the racks. Um, Cause those issues are going to come up. Um, some of them I think might be no brainers if they say, Hey, we're going to regulate, you know, artificial intelligence systems to help locate animals through glassing. Most folks might say, okay, yeah. you know, I can live with that. But if yeah. we say, you know, we're going to ban two way radios or we're going to, you know, get rid of, uh, uh, of scopes on muzzleloaders, that that might be that might be more mixed i think there might be some folks that are passionate on on both ends of that spectrum so i don't have a a forecast of what's coming down the road other than we are talking about those things and there probably will be recommendations uh with regard to those coming out within the next year okay well hopefully when they do maybe you and i can can touch base again and we can if they're uh Kind of like how we did it with this, kind of wait to see once it's announced and maybe we can jump on and, and talk a little bit about it and get more information out to people so that they kind of understand the ins and outs of everything if and when that happens. Yeah, sounds good. Cool, Dax. Well, thank you so much, man. I, I really appreciate you taking the time. I know that you've got a busy schedule and, and it's a Friday and I'm sure that makes it even busier, but I appreciate you taking the time to, to talk with me. My I know my listeners really appreciate you being willing to do this. Uh, a lot of my listeners are from Utah and, and most put in for Utah. So this has been a hot topic, something that everybody's been asking us to do a podcast on. So just thank you so much for being willing to, to do this with me. Oh, you bet, Taryn. And uh, good luck to you in the draw. Hope you can burn those 20, 20 plus out points and have a great hunt. Awesome. Thanks, man. We'll I'll let you go and we'll talk soon. All right. All right. Take care. Thanks. All right. You Bye. too. See ya. Bye. All right, guys. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Sure. Appreciate Dax jumping on with me today. What a great guy, huh? Man, that was a lot of great information. Hopefully you guys were able to uh, get into that, listen to it and be able to, uh, hopefully it was able to answer a lot of questions for you guys if you do have any more questions that we did not ask on the podcast or things that you want me to to run by Dax uh, please reach out to us there's so many ways to contact us social media is probably the easiest and best way to do it just how life works these days or you can email Uh, my email is terronh which is t-e-r-r-o-n-h at ehunter.com if you guys have any questions that we didn't answer that you'd love to have answered please feel free to reach out to us and we'll try to get those answered by Dax So again, appreciate him and his time with us and appreciate you guys listening. Make sure that you're subscribed to the podcast and we have a lot of good podcasts 
that are, will be coming out in in the future, uh, similar to this one that we had today. So appreciate you guys. Take care. <laughs>